Isaiah 11, verse number 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the, for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Amplified says it this way. And shall make him of quick understanding, and his delight shall be in the reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, neither decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and decide with fairness for the meek, the poor, and the downtrodden of the earth. And he shall smite the earth and the oppressor with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Let's pray. Father, thank you for another privilege and opportunity of being in your presence. A chance to come together and worship you and lift up your name, not out of ritual, not out of duty, but out of the desires of our heart because you are worthy. Thank you for this opportunity. I pray tonight, God, that you would speak to us, that... I pray, Lord, there would be a spirit of faith, a spirit of revelation and understanding that would work in this place tonight. Give us ears to hear what you would say, hearts that are open to receive what you want to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Back to the King James Version, verse number 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. In the call on Friday, the thing that Bishop shared that the Lord had spoken to him on Friday morning was in regards to this verse. This verse is what Many have termed the seven spirits of the Lord or the seven spirits of God. Um, there, are, there are men who are much wiser than I that use that terminology. And so um, I, I respect that. I am going to just simply throw out to you, as I have studied this verse and have read some of the translations, uh, it almost sounds as though... Um, these things, such as the spirit of wisdom and understanding, etc., that they are the the expressions of the spirit of the Lord. However, there there is many there are many who believe that that this verse represents the seven spirits of the Lord, and so the first one being the spirit of the Lord, and then the spirit of wisdom the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And so those things are the seven uh, spirits of the Lord. And so, uh, Bishop, I've heard him tell this before. Some of you probably have, but he told it again. Uh, how many of you remember Brother Charles Shera that's ministered several times with us now? His dad, uh, Brother Hushera, was a extremely significant influence in Bishop's life um, and had a major impact on him. And so he shared in the call that Brother Shera shared with him years ago that he believed that in the end times, the last days, the seven spirits of God were going to be released in the earth. And so what Bishop said on Friday, the Lord told him on Wednesday, was this has begun. And if that's the case, I kind of felt like it might be important for us to know what to expect. In a po that's, this is a very positive thing. 
um, because it's things that you and I desperately need. And if, if we are going to navigate these end times and see God do what God has promised, these are things that we need active and working in our midst. Now, I, I'm going to do a little bit more reading of a few things tonight than I really like to do, but I, I want you to get some understanding of, of these things um, and, and what it is we can expect that God is going to be doing in these last days. I know there's, there's some ways in which we are facing challenges and, and obstacles, but I'm going to tell you, I believe there has never been a greater day to be a part of the church of the living God than today. Because what we are seeing and are going to see is going to be the greatest move of the Spirit of God that has ever happened in the history of the world. And you and I are here now with the opportunity to be a participant in that. So we're going we're gonna to go through, and I'm, I guess I'm going to kind of approach it as seven. Um, again, even I, I sort of bring that up because if you go back and dig into this later, and especially if you read some other translations for some variety, uh, I think you may find that, that it sort of seems to imply that wisdom and understanding, might, etc., are just, again, expressions of the Spirit of the Lord. Nevertheless, the Spirit of the Lord. So, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown says this, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of Yahweh, the Spirit by which the prophets spake, because Messiah was to be a prophet. Seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are specified to imply that the perfection of them was to be in him. Compare the seven spirits which are before his throne, Revelation 1 and 4, i.e. the Holy Spirit in his perfect fullness, seven being the sacred number. The prophets had only a portion out of the fullness in the Son of God. So the Spirit of the Lord, not a spirit, not just any spirit, but the Spirit of the Lord was going to rest upon him. Barnes notes, says this, and this is going to be a little bit of a lengthy reading here, but bear with me and hopefully you can see it somewhat on the screen to follow along. The Spirit of the Lord, or the Spirit of Yahweh, and there shall rest upon him the spirit of prophecy from before Yahweh. In the previous verse, the prophet had announced his origin... Seeing if my wife was listening. Did I do okay on Man, y'all are a tough bunch tonight. I, I know you don't know what that was about, but still. So now that you want to know what it's about, I have struggled for years in wedding ceremonies to say origin instead of origin. So I now have a notation in my little black book. And every time I now say the word, I think of my wonderful wife and her great help to me. So, origin and his birth. In this, he proceeds to describe his extraordinary endowments as eminently holy, pure, and wise. There can be no doubt that references here, that the reference here is to the Spirit descending upon him in the fullness of his influences and producing in him perfect wisdom, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. The Spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him, a Spirit producing wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, etc. All these are, are the Scriptures... Lit. I didn't write that lit, so I... Should. All these are lit, the scriptures, there must be a typo there, traced to the agency of the Holy Spirit. The meaning here is that the Messiah should be endowed with these eminent prophetic gifts and qualifications for his ministry by the agency of the Holy Spirit. 
It was by that spirit that the prophets had been inspired. So the same spirit that the prophets spoke under the inspiration of to give us the word of God, Isaiah is saying that same spirit is what's going to rest upon him. Not a portion, not a part, that same spirit. There was a fit, a fitness that he should be endowed in the same manner. If it be asked how one who was divine in his own nature could be thus endowed by the aid of the Spirit, the answer is that he was also to be a man descended from the honored line of David, and that as a man he might be furnished, for his mind was made eminently wise, his heart always retained the fear and love of God, and there is no absurdity in supposing that these extraordinary endowments were to be traced to God. That he was thus under the influence of the Holy Spirit is abundantly taught in the New Testament. Thus in Matthew 3.16, the Holy Spirit is represented as descending on him at his baptism. In John 3.34, it is said, For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. You can compare Colossians 1.19. So... The Spirit of the Lord, the same God that spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light, is the God that was manifested in the man Christ Jesus. Not one bit less powerful, not one bit less deity. The same God. You you realize the same God that spoke, Hebrews says, the worlds were framed By the word of God. I got a question. Is there anything in your life personally? And is there anything going on in our world that is that is more challenging to fix than creating a universe? And yet all it took was a word. And I believe the same creative word of God that spoke and said, let there be light is the same creative word of God that can speak today and create something out of nothing in your life. The spirit of the Lord. What did Jesus read when he came into the temple the first time? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We need to get the revelation that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. Not a spirit, not a portion of it. No, we are not fully God and fully man. But the same God that was in the man Christ Jesus is the same God that dwells inside of us. Not one bit less infinite. Not one bit less powerful. The same God. So he says, the Spirit of the Lord is going to rest upon him. That word rest means this. It means to rest, to settle down, used in a great variety of applications, literal and figurative. In transitive, transitive Transitive and causative, it means to dwell, to stay, to let fall, to place, let alone, withdraw, give comfort. To stay, to stay, not visit. Any everybody ever glad when your company comes? And then you're glad when they go. Just to visit. You haven't learned this lesson yet. Families need to learn the value of short and sweet. There's a lot of great get-togethers that have been ruined by trying to drag them out too long. Short and sweet. But he's not visiting. He's not just resting upon us Sunday morning. He's not just visiting Sunday night. He's not just visiting on Thursday night, but the Spirit of the Lord was going to rest and abide upon him. That's what God is releasing in this earth today. Not a spirit, but the Spirit. Barnes says this, It shall rest upon him 
That is, it shall descend on him and remain with him. It shall not merely come upon him, but shall attend him permanently. Jameson Fawcett and Brown says rest means permanently, not merely come upon him. I think sometimes we get a little bit too comfortable with the Spirit just resting upon us for a moment and then going. When there's way more than that that is available to us. That the Spirit of the Lord wants to come and rest and stay and abide with us. Not just a passing moment for a wonderful little experience. So... These these next couple of things especially are things based on what was said Friday and what others believe also are going to be manifested in the earth in the last days. And these are things, you want to know how, I'll I'll come back to this in a little bit with one of these, but you want to know how we're going to navigate some of the things that are going to lie ahead of us? You know what? You want to know how we're going to get through the adversity and the persecution that may come and the other challenges and obstacles. The way we're going to get that is by the seven spirits of God being operative in the church. Because if these things are operative in the body of Christ, and when I say church, I'm not talking about a brand name. I'm talking about the church. Everybody that's blood-bought, born again of the water and the spirit, no matter what the name brand, what the label is, I'm not talking about a label or a name brand. I'm talking about the church. These are the things that we must have. And we must expect God to do through us individually. So, the spirit of wisdom. Barnes says the spirit of wisdom or making him wise. Wisdom consists in the choice of the best means to secure the best ends. The attribute is often given to the Messiah in the New Testament and was always evinced by him. There's some references you can read later if you want. In him, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It is the, it is, wisdom consists in the choice of the best means to secure the best ends. When, when the children of Israel were, were in, in the time of bondage and, and, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, I believe King Nebuchadnezzar, and the three Hebrew children, Daniel and the three Hebrew children, if you've never read that story, really read it, you ought to read it. Because the Bible says that, that the, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had, they had natural, not just spiritual, they had natural wisdom and knowledge and, and, and brains that the rest of them didn't have. And part of the reason that King Nebuchadnezzar was relying upon them was because of their talent, their skill, their wisdom. You know what? There's some things that our world is trying to navigate. Could it be that God is not trying to get a politician to speak the wisdom that the world needs? But could it be that God's trying to find some conduits that may not be well known by man, but people that know how to hear the voice of God and speak the wisdom of God? Of course, we know that the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. Oh, does man miss a lot of stuff because he thinks God's ways are foolish. Ephesians 1 and 16 says this, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. The spirit of wisdom and Revelation. I believe it's James that says, if any of you lack, if any of you lack wisdom, 
ask. Ask God. And the promise is He will give it. No, not human wisdom, not, not, not man-based ideology, but God-given wisdom. It's what Solomon's prayer was. It says, or appears to Solomon, ask me anything you want. Whatever you want, Solomon, I'll give you. Man, I wonder how many people would have got that opportunity way wrong. Because I think a lot of people would have asked for what Solomon didn't ask for. Not understanding that when you ask for the right things, God gives the things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So Solomon says, God, I I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I don't know how to lead your people. I don't know how to do this. I need wisdom. And so God responds and says, I'm going to give you wisdom. And you could have asked for wealth and riches, but you didn't ask for all that. So I'm going to give you what you asked for, but I'm also going to add to. Telling you, some of you have yet to learn the blessing of putting God first. And watching Him take care of your stuff. Watching Him bless you. Watching Him add to you. No, 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 no. may not happen the very second you put Him first. But He promised if you seek Him first, if you put His kingdom first, He will add to you. We got things we don't know how to navigate. These and, and I, as I, it's been a while since I've said it, but I, I've thought about it a couple of times. I, the other the other night in service, I almost said something about, well, the devil's given us his best shot, and we've stood it. If if this really was his best shot, and in all honesty, I think there's been a lot of times throughout the history of the church that it's taken some bigger shots than COVID nineteen. It's gone through some bigger challenges than COVID-19. But I will tell you, one of the most challenging, if not the most challenging season of pastoral ministry in 15 plus years of that has been this year. Because there's a whole lot of voices. There's a whole lot of opinions. There's a whole lot of experts. Not any of you, you know you're not, but... There's a lot of experts that know exactly the way. And then there's, well, they're doing it this way, aren't, why aren't we? Or they're doing it this way, shouldn't we? Or At the end of the day, there's got to be one source of wisdom. And that is the only source worth really listening to. And in these last days, God is going to give us the wisdom that we need to navigate whatever it may come in the future. On a personal level or a collective level, God's got all the answers already figured out. It's just a matter of us positioning ourselves to be able to hear. So, the next one is the spirit of understanding. The difference between the words here rendered wisdom and understanding is that the former denotes wisdom properly and the latter that judgment resulting from wisdom by which we distinguish things or decide on their character. Jameson Fawcett Brown says with regards to understanding coupled with wisdom being its fruit, discernment and discrimination, not discrimination against people. Compare, for instance, his replies, that's Jesus' replies, to his adversaries in Matthew twenty-two eighteen, 18, Mark 12, 34, and his insight into man, John two twenty-five. Let's look at two of those, Matthew 22 and 18. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? He didn't just fall for what they were saying. John 2.24, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and he needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. That's the discernment and discrimination he's talking about there. The ability to understand just because you're asking me the right question doesn't mean you got the right motive. Uh, Nathaniel shared a couple of stories that the folks that have been going downtown Annapolis over the last several weeks, and some of you don't know it, but there's some people that have 
I'm not saying you haven't, but there's some people that have really been taking some things to heart that Brother Hurt's been ministering. And there have been a bunch of folks that have been spending a bunch of time downtown. They've been standing on streets and waving and getting the name of Jesus out there. And, and a couple of, he shared a couple of stories, some that were directly his story and others that were a combination of, of people. And he, he, in, in, a, in a couple of times, what I, what I've, what I, what I would, what I took from what he said in this context is there was some discernment. It says, yeah, you, you may want to be in a religious discussion, but you don't really have a hunger for truth. You're not really hungry. You just, you, you got another agenda. Jesus recognized. Jesus recognized. They, they were asking questions, but they had a motive behind what they were asking. And I think in these last days, you and I are going to need understanding and the ability to discern. Because I think the enemy is going to try to set some traps in our lives where we're going to be asked what seems to be sincere, genuine questions. But the motive behind the question is not right. And you've got to be able to recognize in your spirit, there's something else going on here besides what I hear with my natural ear. Oh, hallelujah understanding wisdom and understanding to me wisdom is the knowing understanding is kind of the knowing of what to do how to do it that is going to rest upon the body of Christ this 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 folks I, I, as I was preparing for tonight this, I don't know if I'll read all those verses on this one, but this, this story came to mind, and I, just, I felt extremely impressed in my spirit. You and I need to work on making sure we know how to follow the leading of the Spirit. We've always needed to do that. But I believe where we are and where we're going more than ever, we need to learn how to be led by the Spirit. The story is of, of the king of Syria was coming against the children of Israel and, and he kept making plans and every time he made plans and, and what he was going to do to attack them, God spoke to Elisha and told him what the king of Syria was going to do. Told him where the king of Syria was going to set up an encampment so that the children of Israel could avoid that place. And the king of Syria starts to get upset and begins to accuse those among him as being spies for them. And finally one of them spoke up and said, there's a man of God. There's a man of God in Israel who's telling the king before. And it's fact, it's, this is the lead in to the story where the, where the prophet Elisha and his servant were surrounded by the Syrian army. And the, and the servant comes to the man of God and says, we're in big trouble. And he responds and says, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see that what's for us is greater than what's against us. That's all, that, that, that was the response of this right here. I believe there's a lot of weapons the enemy is trying to come up with and some that are already attempting to do what they were created to do. That it is the will of God to be able to speak to people, to be able to speak to people in the body of Christ with words of wisdom and knowledge to know what to do, when to do it. I don't know if I've ever said this publicly. I've said this in various meetings and smaller settings than this. But if, so if you've never heard me say it, I'll just go ahead and say it publicly tonight. I am not of the opinion that as the pastor of this congregation, every single thing from God must flow through me. I am a firm believer and have been the beneficiary, beneficiary of men and women that know how to hear from God, that are sensitive to the Spirit. If you've never seen it, it happens every now and then in a service. One of these guys, sometimes one of the ones on the platform, sometimes it's somebody else, will come by and say, Pastor, I'm feeling this. Whatever you want to do with it, I'm feeling. You've seen sometimes what I've done with that is I've given the microphone to him. Other times I've taken that to heart and I'm feeling after what God wants us to do. God doesn't have to show me everything and speak everything through me. 
That's why I, 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 I've hardly preached the last several months. I love to preach. Usually I'm frustrated and irritated with myself when I get done, but I love to do it. But he gave some apostles, some prophets, pastors, evangelists. Why? For the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. I, I, I appreciate, I respect, and I, I, I haven't known him very long, but I think I can now say I love Brother Hurt. And I'm thankful for what God does through him and how God uses him. But that is not intended to be an isolated ministry. If all you do is come to be entertained because that's so cool, you're missing the point. Yeah, God's trying to minister to people, but God's also trying to show us, here's what I am capable of doing, and here's what I want to do. But not through just one or two individuals. I want it to operate through my body. Sometimes God just uses our circumstances. For people that were supposed to have been on a normal day, they would have been in the World Trade Towers the day they collapsed because of 9-11. I just read recently somewhere where somebody was not there because it was their day to pick up donuts. They didn't wake up that morning and in their morning prayer, the Lord speak to them. I don't know why we think everything God does and says has to be preceded by thus saith the Lord. Donut day. No word from God, donut day. That God's sovereign plan determined this day is your day for donuts. Because I'm going to prevent you from being someplace. So you know what? God can either speak to us directly or I just trust Him to work out the circumstances. Some of us are so busy waiting around for God to speak every little thing to do to do, we're missing all of the divine appointments God has for us because it looks to be unspiritual. I mean, we, we all know the story of David killing Goliath. We all know how that went. David was in early morning prayer the day he killed Goliath. And God, booming voice from heaven, thus saith the Lord unto you, my son David. This day thou, because we also know God's got to speak in King James English. This day thou shalt slay the giant that is warring against my people. So go to the valley where the Philistine is and slay him, saith the Lord. I'm not belittling, thus saith the Lord. Don't get me, I believe in thus saith the Lord. Is that, the, is that, isn't that, that's the way the Bible tells the story, right? But that's the way a lot of us try to live. No, let's go back to the real story. David's taking care of his father's sheep. And his dad comes and says, I want you to run an errand. I want you to take some food to your brothers. And I want you just to see what's going on and come back and let me know. David had no idea that some cheese and a trip to see his brothers was a divine appointment to kill a giant. I wonder what things you and I miss because we're sitting waiting on God to give us a thus saith the Lord. And he's just trying to use some circumstances to get us at the right place in the right time. So can he speak to us? Absolutely. But sometimes he chooses just to nudge us by circumstances and situations. Oh, I'm on it. I'll just stay on it. We all, that's what happened with Joseph, right? Thus saith the Lord, go sell yourself. Thus saith the Lord, leave your father's house and go to Egypt. No. Circumstance after circumstance after circumstance. Beyond Joseph's control. God was the master. What do you, what, ch- God was the chess master. I know how to. I know how the pieces on a chessboard move. You want to know my chess strategy playing chess? I don't know. I, it's been decades. I think literally since I played chess. Here's my chess strategy. Here's my strategy for playing chess. That poor pawn has been sitting there the whole game. He ain't had a chance to do anything this whole game, this whole match. He just needs to move a little bit. 
That's my strategy. My strategy, hey, this guy can go all the way across the board diagonally at one time. Let's do that. That's cool. I don't even think people that really know how to play chess, that really know how to play chess, you're not even laughing at me because it's an insult. Because somebody that really knows, you are moves ahead. When you move a piece, you didn't just, you weren't just thinking about moving that piece. You already had some things down the road that you knew you were going to do. You know what? I, and obviously we, these last, how long has it been now since March? Six months? Eight, ten years? What has it been? (laughs) These last six, eight months, whatever it's been, seven months. No, I, I believe me, I would not stand here and propose to you that I feel like we have navigated the last seven months perfectly by any stretch. And I'm sure there's things that we could have done better, done differently, done more effectively. All that said. But here's the bottom line. I was so thankful come March that we were just having to learn how to adjust to leading worship to a bunch of empty chairs. I was just having to learn how to adjust to preach to a bunch of empty chairs. We weren't having to try to figure out, oh God, what are we going to do? We can't have church. Because you know what? About 10 years or so ago, God sent some people, Brother Stewart, one of them, our way. And we've been for 10 plus. I know it started before we got it or when around the time we started expanding the sanctuary. God started putting, we had no idea. We just thought 10 years ago we were doing it for this reason, that reason. We had no idea that come 2020. In about a week or two time, we'd have to go from not being able to gather together to being able to communicate. God knew that 10 years ago. And there's nothing else that's coming in the future that God doesn't already know. And he's already got it worked out. We just need the spirit of wisdom and understanding to operate and everything's going to be all right. The spirit of counsel. Martin says this, that by which he shall be qualified to give counsel or advice. The qualification of a public instructor and guide. The spirit of counsel and might. The faculty of forming counsels and that of executing them. I I, I watch it. There there are people, probably none of you here tonight, just the folks that didn't come tonight. Go to three or four or five different people gathering opinions. And then deciding who's you like the best. You better make sure that where you're getting your guidance from is somebody that's got the spirit of counsel from the spirit of the Lord. That they're not giving you advice based on human reasoning and human intellect. But they are doing their best to give you what a thus saith the Lord is. Because I've learned, and I know I'm not the only one here tonight, there have been a number of times in my life that the direction God had was very different than what made sense or what I would have done. And had I not sought for His counsel or the counsel of godly men and women that I knew, knew how to hear from God, I would have made the wrong decision he said I'm going to give the spirit of counsel I'm going to I'm going to give you the ability to know how to help others navigate what they've got to go through I've heard and I'm not going to give any examples I just don't feel to do that right here Bishop there was a anybody see the directive today Bishop was said his nose was itching, and every time he gets in the flow and the anointing, his nose itches. And I'm like, wow, all this time I had no idea. That's a sign of the anointing. <laughs> Some of y'all have seen my Rudolph nose a couple of times, and I feel it a little bit tonight. <laughs> what was I saying before that? What? Yeah, spirit of counsel, I was. I don't know why I was saying it, but I was. (laughs) Yes, too many voices there are. Y'all are listening. I encourage your listening. It's not helping me, but you're listening. (laughs) The spirit of... What did I, this isn't, this isn't where I'm going, but we'll act like it was. All right. What did, what did Isaiah 9 and 6 say? 
Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. I know a lot of translations kind of break that up, but it doesn't really kind of make sense because everything else kind of has a description. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So it seems to be Wonderful Counselor. I challenge you. You know, it, it amazes me some of the sources people go to for godly guidance. You, you might want to make sure that those you rely on the most are living lives that are in alignment <laughs> to the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Not just every voice that comes along that has something to say. Are you buying into what is being said? Spirit of might. Uh, this, this one, this, this, this is one of the ones, especially in light of some of the things we've talked about, some of the things Brother Hurt has said the last couple of months, that this one especially, I think we need to make sure that we have confidence that God is going to manifest this. The spirit of might. Might is strength, vigor, energy. Now watch this, watch this. Brother Hurt prophes- or talked about, prophesied some things he felt like were coming. I followed up a week or so later trying to calm all of us down a little bit. Most of us. Some of you, you were good. Some of you are like, bring it on, let's go. Others of us are like, hold it off, Jesus. And, and how are we going? How are we going to face what may come? How, how are we going to face what persecution may come? I'm telling you how. The spirit of might. Because li- listen to what this says. It is the strength of heart and purpose which will enable a man to meet difficulties, to encounter dangers, to be bold, open, and fearless in the discharge of his duties. It is not necessary to remark that the characteristic, that this characteristic was found in an eminent degree in the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know how you and I are going to face possible persecution in the future, the spirit of might is going to rest upon us and God's going to know what we've got to face and God's going to empower us to face it and we're not going to be defeated by it. We're not going to be overcome by it because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He said that's what's going to come upon us. It's what's going to be released Upon us. Knowledge, that is the knowledge of the attributes and plans of Yahweh. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. The spirit of knowledge of the deep things of God. Knowledge of him gives true, gives us true knowledge. The spirit of knowledge, not humanly generated knowledge. Not humanly manufactured, manufactured knowledge, but knowledge that comes direct from the throne of God. You know what? I believe it's the will of God for some of you in job situations, natural, secular job situations, facing a challenge, facing a problem, leading a team of people trying to solve something to say, hey, God, I need some answers for this. I believe God. In fact, I've heard testimonies of God doing that through the years. That God can give you wisdom and guidance, not just for a spiritually related circumstance or situation. Because the hope is when somebody says, wow, you sure are smart. You say, well, actually not really. Let me tell you what happened. I didn't know what to do any better than you knew what to do. But I prayed and I asked God and God gave me... But they might think I'm crazy. It's a little bit hard. It's a little bit hard to argue with that when what you've said is the answer is the answer, and it works. Then, lastly, of the seven spirits going to be released upon this earth, the seven spirits of God, the fear of the Lord. 
Fear of Yahweh is often used to denote piety in general as consisting in a reverence for the divine commands and a dread of offending Him. That is a desire to please Him, which is piety. Compare the following places. That this characteristic was found eminently in the Lord Jesus is not necessary to attempt to prove. Fear of the Lord. Reverential, obedient fear. The first step toward true knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That means if a person has no fear of the Lord, they cannot even begin in wisdom. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I'm going to tell you tonight, this fear of the Lord, and there's a context of this, I'm sure, that has to do with the fear of the Lord coming upon this earth. But I'm going to tell you, the body of Christ needs the fear of the Lord to come upon it. Because we need that reverential attitude that when we are faced with some things and challenges and potentially faced with a threat, deny Jesus or be thrown in jail, deny Jesus or lose your life, that's the fear of the Lord. Not terror of God, but the fact that I reverence God and His Word above everything else. I... Hear ye, hear ye. I shouldn't go here, but I'm going. I don't try to even, I try not to even get close to the line, and I'm probably going to touch the line and may even cross it. But I, I, I think I, I listened. <laughs> I think I listened last night to the fear of the Lord being exemplified. When the vice president of the United States asked about abortion, said, I'm not quoting, I can't remember the exact quote, but the gist of what he said was, I'm willing to stand and say that I'm against the slaying of innocent lives. Same question was asked to Kamala Harris. It was a much different answer. I don't, in fact, I don't, there's been few people that have stood and made that kind of declaration, especially in that type of setting. To say, I stand for the preservation of life. You know why I think Vice President Pence did that? Because he's got a fear of the Lord. Myla, can I share what you've shared or is that not allowable? Brother Andrew Holder has been with us several months now, transferred here in the Air Force. A loadmaster in the Air Force. Is part of his duty or his duty right now is Air Force One and Air Force Two? Is that what it's called? He has personally handled Vice President Pence's Bible. And he says it looks like a preacher's Bible. Sounds like it might be Brother Yu's Bible. Because he says it's got all kinds of post-it notes, scribblings in it. The fear of the Lord will make you say the right thing no matter what the pressures are. The fear of the Lord will cause you to make the right decision no matter what the influences are. The fear of the Lord will cause you to stand up on the job when you're being pressured and influenced to go contrary to the principles of the Word of God. Again, not fear that if I go against God, He's going to strike me, but fear, reverence, that I respect the Word of God as the final authority in my life for everything. 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 The Word of God. The only way you do that is if you have the fear of the Lord. And that's why I said not just the world, but believers need a fresh baptism of the fear of the Lord. Because there's too many believers that approach the Word of God and the commandments of the Word of God as recommendations. Take it or leave it. You don't do that when you are afraid, when you respect, when you reverence. I've said this before, thankfully they're all old now, so it really doesn't matter anymore, but I don't, I don't feel like I ever, in all the years of my, especially when my kids are younger, I don't ever feel like I found that look that my dad had. 
All of my friends, we all, we all talk about our dad. Our dads had a look. They gave you that look. You, you knew. You, you are almost over the edge. And that look was enough to get you just to back down. I felt like, I felt like all my years of parenting my kids when they were small. I tried every look and every way and everything and never quite seemed to generate the same. My dad, my dad was, my, I, I probably shouldn't say this. I meant to talk to him about this, but I, I'm just going to tell you, no offense, I love him and respect him. And, and I'm not trying to undermine in any way. And I say this in the fear of the Lord. One of the recent called award Zoom directives, Bishop said he used paint sticks on my brother and I. He is mixing up what my brother and I used on our children. He ain't used no paint sticks on us. I don't know if he practiced this or if it was just a natural thing. My dad literally could unbuckle his belt with one hand pull it out, and by the time it got here, it was wrapped around with about six inches. One single motion. Pop, pop, pop as it goes through the belt loops, and it's wrapping all at the same time, and he is ready to go. You think I did everything my dad said to do because just was convinced? No. We're living in a day in which there's sometimes our father... Our Heavenly Father gives us some instructions to do some things that we need to have some reverence and fear. Yes. Yes. Does He love us? Absolutely. Does he, got, does he have grace and mercy and abundance? Absolutely. But there's also a side of Him you don't want to mess with. God, give us, not just the world, give us the fear of the Lord. I'm almost done, so maybe in case, hopefully not, but in case you're sitting there going, okay, well, what's that all about? Let me, let me take you to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols even as you were led. Wherefore, I give, you, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God call that Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, these are diverse, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. To who? And I don't think man there is intended to be gender. It's intended to be mankind. This is what is given to us all. The operation of the gifts of the Spirit is not intended to be for a select, special group of people in a church. As born-again believers filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we should expect that the gifts of the Spirit would operate in and through us. Every believer should expect that. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of, of tongues. You know what? You know what all those things are we just read? Those are Those are just other ways of saying, other manifestations of the seven spirits of God. And so what Isaiah prophesied was going to be upon Jesus and we see was upon Jesus is now what is upon us and available to us. 
But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Notice what he said. To one is given this, the spirit of wisdom. To another, the spirit of knowledge. To another, the gift of... There is no one person that has all of the gifts of the spirit always fully operating in them. And one of the biggest tactics, I believe, of the enemy that comes against us is he wants to get us comparing what are the gifts of the Spirit God has given you and versus the ones he's given somebody else. And then when others have those kind of more cool gifts, we devalue our gifts. Hopefully this doesn't make you disrespect me. Hopefully it'll help some of you. I don't think, to my knowledge, I have never had one vision in my life I've never seen one thing in the Spirit in my life. I know a lot of people have. Some of you in this room tonight have. Never had that happen. And you know what? For years I battled because there's something wrong with me. We'd go to those meet meetings when they first started. And almost every meet meeting, somebody get up in the meet meeting and in that old gymatorium on the back balcony, all you got to look out there where the vans are parked now, that was the back, for those of you that weren't here in those days, that was the back wall of the gymatorium. Sanctuary platform was set up right in front of that. And I'm telling you, I don't know how many times at meet meetings somebody got up and said, my God, standing all across that balcony right there are like 20 foot tall angels with swords drawn, ready. And every time one of them said it, I'm like, I never saw them. I started getting mad when they said it. But not because I didn't believe it. I'm mad. I, I don't doubt it. I finally had to come to terms with, you know what? I may never see an angel. And that doesn't make the angel seer better than a non-angel seer. God determines what gifts operate in you. And the point is for all of those gifts to operate together, for the, for the ministry of the body of Christ to be done effectively according to the plan and the purpose of God. Many different operations, but one spirit, one work by one God. I close with this. We, 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 it, we, most of us, I mean, if you're spiritual at all and you don't want what I've taught tonight manifested in and through your life, I, something, something's wrong with you. But, but here's, here's the problem. We want those things just to simply f- flow out of us while we do whatever we want to do and live however we want to live. Before all of these things ever began manifesting in the man Christ Jesus, before those things we've read tonight and talked about began manifesting in his life on this earth, he spent 30 years in preparation. He spent 30 years learning obedience, learning submission. Because if you are not submitted and those things operate through you, Trouble is coming. If you're not submitted and and the gifts of the Spirit operate in your life, say, well, if I'm unsubmitted, the gifts wouldn't operate. Wrong. Don't ever forget, God used a, a donkey to speak through. And if God can use a donkey just because I give you what may actually be thus saith the Lord doesn't mean that I am in perfect alignment with the will and plan of God in my life. The gifts are are without repentance. God doesn't take away what He's given. If you can't learn obedience by the things you suffer, don't, don't, don't expect God to freely release these things. He's looking for people that are willing to demonstrate faithfulness and stewardship. That if he invests these things in you, 
You're not going to use them for your own glory. You're not going to use them for your own purposes. You're not going to use them to simply advance your ministry, your agenda, but you're going to use them to advance the kingdom of God. I believe that over the next couple of days and weeks and months, never how long remains until Jesus comes, even if that's 20 years, That these are the things that are going to be operative, not as an abnormal thing in the body of Christ, but regularly manifested through the people of God. And again, not just in a church service, not just in the four walls of a building, but on the streets, in the workplace, in a restaurant, walking down the mall. That these things... It is the will of God for them to be operative. Problem is this, we've got to be consciously putting ourselves in position to get ready for God to do these things. The Bible says this, a couple different places, talks about the trump of God sounding. Trump shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise. Do you know what? I, I know um, there, there's, I think it's in Corinthians where it, talk, it does say the trumpet. Something along the lines of the trumpet shall sound. But there's two different places where it talks about the trump. You know what that word means in the, in the, uh, in the Greek? That word, the trump shall sound. The root word basically means a vibration. A vibration. Now, again, there's one place where it says trumpet, and that word trumpet there is a blast. But the word trump, the trump of God shall sound. That word is a vibration. What if? What if when the rapture takes place, it's not going to be this crazy, loud trumpet blast? What if when the rapture takes place, there's just going to be a vibration? What if? What if it's just a vibration? You know the problem with that? If that's what it is, you know what we're doing every time we come together? You know what we're doing when we go to our personal places of prayer? You know what we're doing when we involve ourselves in ministry? We are developing a sensitivity to the vibration. I watch it service after service. Some people, it takes about the greatest move of God we've ever had to get them to move. I'm talking about Holy Ghost-filled people. I'm talking about visitors. I mean, it's got to be about the greatest move of God for them to do something demonstrative. There's other people. It doesn't have have anything to do with the music. It doesn't have anything to do with singing. It doesn't have anything to do with being led. They, They recognize, oh, felt that vibration, and I'm responding. I don't think we're just going to suddenly wake up and all these things are going to operate in us and through us. We are going to have to position ourselves. We are going to have to make ourselves available to hear the Spirit of the Lord speak to us, to learn how to feel the impression of the Lord upon us. And to learn that God may work in me and through me differently than He works in and through you. You just be you and I'll just be who I'm supposed to be. And when all of us work together to be what God has created us to be, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Father, I pray that you would help us tonight. We are in the midst of and facing times unlike any other that we have faced God, I think in some ways we are facing some of the most challenging, pivotal times in the history of this nation. And this world is facing things that perhaps are more challenging than any other time in all of history. But God, you've got a church, you've got a body that you have put on this earth for these last days. 
And you have given us promises not only of what you would do, but how you would do it and how you would work in us and through us. And I pray tonight that upon this congregation, there would be faith and expectancy that would come upon us. That more and more, God, you are going to manifest these things. That the Spirit of the Lord is going to rest upon us. And that wisdom and knowledge and strength and the fear of the Lord is going to operate and work in and through our lives for the sake of the kingdom, for the advancement of your kingdom, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I didn't say this at the beginning. Most of you know this, but just in case anybody wants the notes from this evening to reread or study more, all you got to do is email, and I'm happy to share them with you if you'd like them. Amen.